0: Hello, and thank you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. The Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators, a community of math teacher educators learning to teach math teachers better. I'm your co-host, Dusty Jones, and joining me today is Joel Amidon. Hi, Joel. Hey, Dusty. And Today, we're talking with Dr. Christopher Jett, who is an Associate Professor of Mathematics Education in the College of Education and Human Development at Georgia State University. We're talking with Chris because of his work on mathematical persistence and success among Black male students, and also because of his role with AMTE as a member of the Advocacy Committee. Welcome, Chris. How are you today?
1: Oh, I'm doing well, and and hello to you all, and thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. We're excited to have you. Could you take a moment to introduce yourself beyond what I already shared? What what did I miss?
1: Oh no, I think I think you captured it well. So um, <laughs> that's a pretty standard introduction and, and talks about my work. So yeah, thank you for that.
0: You're welcome. So uh, as we get to know you a little bit better before we dive into some of those topics that I mentioned, uh, we'd like to know how did you start teaching math teachers, or maybe why did you start teaching math teachers?
1: Yeah. So. I really started teaching math teachers, um, at Georgia state. Um, I mean, even though I'm, I'm at Georgia state now as, as a professor, I was also there as a, as a doc student. And so, okay. uh, you know, during my doctoral students, I was a full-time, I was a full-time doctoral student. So during my first year, I was actually a TA. Um, and so there was, uh, so Georgia state had a middle, middle level, sort of mathematics preparation program as well as a secondary program. So I served as a GTA um, uh, in those courses and that that's really where it all sort of started. I must, I must also mention um, Georgia Perimeter College. So Georgia Perimeter College is a two-year, uh, two-year college. They've since merged with Georgia State, but um, during my doctoral studies, I taught part-time there towards the latter portion of my program. Um, a math for elementary school teachers, sort of course. And so uh, those were really sort of my foundations as it relates to uh, teaching math teachers.
0: Okay. Before that, were you uh, a high school math teacher, middle school, or something like that?
1: Yeah. So I actually started, um, I actually started subbing. I know a lot of people do that sort of thing. I started subbing in, uh, in Nashville primarily because I just needed some extra some extra cash uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. and then uh, it was, I guess it was discovered that I had a math degree um, <laughs> and I actually remember the principal, Ms. Braden, um, a teacher went out on maternity leave and so I sort of stepped in there um, and I stayed, I mean, I continued to work in Nashville public schools. I've done work uh, in DeKalb County, um, taught a couple of summer, summer courses, uh, Clarkson high school, um, And most of my work has been in the undergraduate mathematics space.
0: Okay, great. What was the best advice that you received when you started teaching math teachers there at at Georgia State as a TA?
1: Yeah, I would say probably, um, I remember, I remember one time sort of struggling with, uh, just sort of engagement and, um, just really, uh, um, I guess, capturing the teacher's attention, this sort of thing. And so, um, I remember one piece of advice was like, you know, just making sure that you give them opportunities to explore and, um, you know, quote unquote, like productively struggle with the math, even though, even though the term wasn't the phrase was, wasn't, you know, I guess as common as it is now, but that's essentially what it, what it boiled down to, um, I think another piece of advice, you know, just always starting with them, you know, starting with the students that is, um, uh, in this case, the students will be mathematics teachers. um, And so making sure that they're a part of the, you know, learning environment is always key to, um, you know, to doing a good job in that domain.
0: Good. Here's a new newer question we've been asking people. What's a word or a phrase or a quote that helps you center the work you do in teaching math teachers?
1: Oh, and that's a good one. <laughs> that's uh, a good one. Probably. Uh, probably. So one, one, I don't know if i read this or heard something on YouTube about be excellent. Um, so I heard that at the beginning of the year. And so I put it on, uh, I mean, I don't have a vision board, but like, you know, like, it's kind of like a board that I have here, um, this whole idea of be excellent. And so Lately, I've just sort of been um, using that as sort of my phrase or quote um, in all aspects of my work. Mm -hmm.
0: What does that mean? Uh, How how do you interpret that or how do you how do you work that out?
1: Oh, be excellent just means, uh, you know, giving it your all, um, respect to everything. I will say so. um, I've just got off of a planning meeting um, um, about our noise so we have a noise grant, um, at Georgia state and, you know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're plan we're planning some work with, uh, with math, with math and science teachers. And so, uh, you know, being excellent in that context just means, you know, providing them with the latest, uh, resources or, you know, innovations so that they can be successful, you know, in their respective, in their respective contexts. Um, I'm also like a big fan of like gospel music. So, um, and it's not really like a, quote or phrase or like a favorite song but um i think that sort of helps to sort of fulfill that that sort of phrase as it relates to being excellent
2: cool i like that i, I mean even the were you are talking about the noise part i mean i like the gospel
1: part of it too but, <laughs> uh,
2: but even the other part i mean the thing about the noise guy like how do we it's like your job to be excellent is you know paving the way getting the resources available and, and being excellent in your role so that the folks that you're bringing into that program can have the best possibility to be excellent as well. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like That's, that's a, that's a nice, like, how do we serve others in that, in that capacity, be excellent in serving others. I like that. Yes.
0: So if we turn this around now that you're um, associate professor, you're, you're working with these um, uh, people in the noise grant, these participants, I'm wondering what advice would you give to someone else who was just starting with teaching math teachers?
1: Mm, so for someone who's just starting, maybe someone, um, I would probably say definitely like exposing teachers to um, like engaging strategies. Um, and that's sort of what I kind of do when I go to conferences. I sort of, yeah, I mean, of course we go to conferences and we learn and this sort of thing, but I'm also like looking for it the best ideas that I can sort of take back and sort of personalize and sort of make, you know, to make my own. And I even do it with my students in my my courses, uh, even, I mean, I started doing it at my previous institution where I would, you know, you know, I'd go for a conference. You know, I would make go to AMTE, for example, and, mm-hmm. and then you come back and then I kind of like open the class with, you know, I was at AMTE, you know, and I learned this and this sort of thing. And the students really liked um, when I did that and sort of, I sort of like continued, continue that um, tradition. Um, and I also think it sends a message to them to know, to know that they can be, you know, that when they go to conferences or, you know, or if they already go to conferences to, you know, rethink really about takeaways and sharing with others and, you know, sort of building community. Um, another thing i probably say, you know, just staying up to date with uh, innovations. I'm trying to think of a good example. I, I will say something about AI, but I don't, I don't use AI. so. Maybe I'm not practicing what I preach because I don't (laughs) (laughs) because I don't uh, I don't I don't know much about it. But it's probably a good example of uh, of something uh, that they're grappling with. And, you know, I would just say, you know, just be you, you know, have fun. I think when you're authentic and I know that's sort of commonly used like being your authentic self. But uh, I think it is true that when you just show up as who you are, Mm -hmm. I think people can can connect to that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I I like your ideas there. Um, the, the idea of coming back from the conference and then sharing those ideas with students, uh, with pre-service teachers, I think that's really great because that shows, you know, that's lifelong learning. Um, as a teacher, I'm showing, I don't have it all figured out. I like went to a conference and learned something. Um,
2: and so helping them and yeah. Joel? No, yeah. I was I was going to say the same thing. That whole idea of Echoing things that you've heard and expertise, and 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 saying like, hey, all the answers don't exist within this institution or exist within this classroom. Like we need to, we need, we're part of a larger community. But then also too, um, I really like that idea of being your authentic self. That advice. We have our students do a little like mini teaching within uh, the classroom, and I saw this student who was like, you could tell she wasn't acting like a teacher. She was being the teacher, like. That she's meant to be, like, because you could see her personality and things like coming out in it. And I was like, that's what I, I love seeing that because it's not like, well, now I got to put on this persona of, of acting like, no, but no, 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 I am just being the teacher I was meant to be. And I, I, I think that echoes that idea that you just said of being a, your authentic self. And so, and that's good. And it's also too that idea of being curious on things. If that's part of your person, hi, how do you go being curious and asking people? Hey, what's what's some good stuff that you've been doing? Whether in through a presentation at a conference or just even in those uh, informal conversations. So thanks for sharing that.
1: Yes, yes, exactly.
0: Chris, um, how do you set boundaries and priorities within and outside of the work that you do?
1: Um, yeah, so that's, that's a really good question. So the boundaries, um, so I guess one boundary that I try to set um, is like not working on the weekends, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I sort of fell at that. T- I, I, this sounds bad because it's like every example I'm giving, I'm sort of I sort of fell at it, right? Uh, but no, sometimes, <laughs> uh, sometimes sometimes it happens where you know I might um, work on the weekend, like for example, for example, like just returning from AMTE, you know, and being oh, out right. and coming to email, you know, it's like you you have to work on the weekends, that sort of thing. Um, After spring break, I'll be you know attending AERA, so you know that'll that'll be another weekend. And then typically around final exam weeks and that sort of thing, you know, when it's it's sort of crunch time, um, you know, I do that. And so I try to uh, to not work on the weekends. Um, That's one one boundary. Uh, Another sort of recent boundary has a little to do, perhaps like with reviewing. um, you know, I kind of get tapped a lot. I, w- I will say, since um, you know all the backlash with CRT and mm-hmm. DI and race work and that sort of thing um, has has sort of catapulted the folks who do that sort of work into uh, to these conversations. Which I mean, we need we need more of that work, uh, honestly. And so, but you know, when they when folks are looking for reviewers or folks with the expertise, then you know. sort of a smaller pool to to choose from and so um kind of get tapped a lot for that and so just being a little more strategic um about that even with even with nsf and not not to uh not to throw nsf under the bus or anything like we (laughs) we like nsf but you know i but knowing you know as you know more people and you know you know program officers are you know colleagues and and friends and that sort of thing and so i think it's just natural they'll reach out to people to people they know but it's um but you know it it can be exhausting you know constantly constantly doing doing that sort of thing and so Mm uh that's one thing and then you said the priorities uh um maybe priorities i typically so i typically have to do like one thing at a time or maybe like one major like this noise project is like that's that's enough for me. I know I know some people can can balance multiple like NSF projects and you know other grant projects and and maybe I'll get there. Um, but for now, I think just being devoted to maybe like one project at a time mm-hmm. uh, is is uh, sufficient enough for me. Yeah.
0: yeah, that sounds that sounds wise. That sounds like some wisdom, even if some of those are more aspirational. I, I also say I don't work on the weekends except for when I work on the weekends, you know?
2: <laughs> so,
0: but it's intention, um, right? I mean, it's yeah.
2: intention like the you, like, Hey, at least, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm making an exception because of X, Y, you know, because of Zeta conference or whatever, um, or it's finals time and, you know, or students are asking questions because they have a big project due. like, Hey, I like, there's a there's also intentionality there. I think that's that's okay. But I was curious though, you know, and this maybe just for everybody as well, like with the reviewing, because that's that's something. Because I know it's like you we're stewarding the profession, right? And like like do you? And and I'm I'm truly asking this because I'm trying to figure this out myself. Is like you think like I've got so many slots for reviewing this semester, and maybe with those slots are filling. Like okay, I can't I can't do it. I have to you know, have to do some, but I can't do it. Or is it more when they come up? Like, I don't know, like in just again, just for anybody.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think maybe had, maybe have we conducted this interview, maybe last semester, cause last semester I was more, <laughs> I was more, I was more of a yes guy and I was, and I was, I was accepting a lot of reviews. I think, yeah. um, I think also because I'm also on a research committee at my institution. So we're, we're reviewing for like, um, Oh yeah. Outstanding, outstanding dissertation award, mm-hmm. which, and we're not reading the entire dissertation. So I don't want to mislead you. We're reading like a 20 page, 20 page summary which is still a lot um, yeah Yeah. and we also have to review uh like the faculty faculty awards uh and that sort of thing and so um i think right now it's just i've been bombarded with reviews and i'm kind of like well i can't review every everything and so just sort of grappling with that um at this time is where i am right now
0: Mm -hmm. that's good and i think you know like you said earlier being yourself is important and kind of understanding what you can do well, uh, like you said, managing, you know, if you can work on one major project at a time, if that works for you and that get, helps you be excellent um, in that, uh, I think you'd rather be excellent in one thing than mediocre in in multiple things. Um, yeah.
2: yeah. So maybe it's our professional responsibility right now to call everyone out who has not, or not call everyone out, but just maybe <laughs> put the opportunity out there. That if you have not had the opportunity to review, which I think also is a nice way to develop as a professional as well, you get to see what other people are doing or Mm -hmm. what manuscripts look like for certain things. Hey, volunteer. And since we're an AMTE podcast, volunteer to be a reviewer for MTE or volunteer to be, you know, NSF, again, is always looking for reviewers. Put yourself out there. So, and it's a great, great way to learn. So, there we go. Maybe that'll, maybe they'll take down everyone else's obligations. (laughs) Yes. Get more people out there reviewing.
0: There we go. So Chris, I enjoyed uh, seeing you at AMTE conference, and the I think that where I first saw you was when you were helping uh, run the microphone around the advocacy lunch. Um, thank you for that, and uh, that was good, so we could all hear the questions that were being asked of the panelists there. But you're you you were there because you're a member of the uh, advocacy committee uh, with AMTE, and so while we have you here, um, could you let us know what are some current or Recent advocacy efforts that AMTE or your your committee has uh, tried to put forward, and uh, maybe how listeners can get involved in some of this work.
1: Yeah, and so uh, the advocacy committee is is just you know just dynamic. Um, so the last couple of years, of course, uh, the previous year was you know looking at race work and uh, and the attacks of CR, uh, CRT. Um, this, this, this recent, uh, immediate past AMTE was, uh, all about LGBTQ plus, uh, inclusion and, um, how we are being inviting and welcoming to students, um, you know, and, in, in our, and in, not only in our university spaces, but, you know, and I work with math teachers, uh, and, you know, and math teachers who identify their ways, as well, the as students who identify their way. Um, and so we partnered, we partnered with Equality Florida, um, for that. And it's, 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 funny because the, the original speaker for Equality Florida wasn't able to, to make it. So we had to pivot, uh, we had to pivot as a committee, um, at the last minute. So definitely shout out to Kyle and Nina and Alexa for, for, you Amazing. know, stepping in and stepping up great. with that. Um, no, but that was, that was a great, um, there was a great luncheon. Um, we're going to, we're going to write something up, uh, for that, either for connections or math great. teacher educator, this sort of thing. That'll be good. Even with the, the work from last year, the CRT commentary, um, that one's also in uh, mathematics teacher educate education. Um, that's what Catherine and Maria, uh, where we talked about race work. So, you know, folks can definitely check that out, check that out as well. And so, um, I guess in a nutshell, the advocacy committee just pretty pretty stays current with what's happening in society and trying to think about ways to um, bring awareness to it, to the AMTE membership, um, and to also sort of promote action with it as well.
2: Great. Chris, oh, sorry, Bastia, didn't mean to mm-hmm. interrupt. Go ahead. Actually, I did interrupt. But um, – Chris, that luncheon talk was recorded. Is that is that right? Is that is that out there somewhere?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's recorded. Um, it's going edited. to be on the YouTube. Yeah, we um, we there was there were some email communications about like where it will be posted. Uh, I wish I had it, but uh, it'll be awesome. Oh. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. When
2: we get it, we can um, if post it with this uh, a link if once it, once it comes out there, and yeah, that'd be good. Cause yeah, yes. it was pretty amazing for folks that had to step in. It was, it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. It did not look like something that had been planned within the last you know week or so. It looked like something that a lot of, a lot of work had gone into, but I, yeah. I'm sure that's because uh, the people that were on the panel, um, are steeped in that work. And so they, 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 they know what they know. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And, and I will say that we've also had, uh, several conversations, um, as a committee, about the top over over the last year, so it's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one thing. Another thing I appreciate about the committee is that the folks were deeply like invested in the work. Um, you know, s- you know, sometimes with some committees, uh, you know, people just sort of just just do it, maybe maybe as a CV booster, or you know, or just just to uh, you know have some service through the professional organizations for tenure and that sort of thing. And I'm not knocking Nettie. I mean, folks have to do what they have to do. Um, but one thing I really appreciated about this committee is that folks were really invested. You know, we were meeting once a month, but they, they went beyond that and they were sharing resources and, you know, readings and that sort of thing. Okay. And so it was a great, it was a great, um, great committee.
2: Wonderful. Oh, and so if you wanted to be involved in that, eventually, like the volunteer form uh, for AMTE is out there that people can, uh, put their name in there to volunteer that join up with that committee. Cause we're, again, we're all, AMT is always looking for, we're volunteer run, right? So we need folks to that. If you find a spot that you can find a home to do some work in that you want to get invested in, Hey, let's, let's come and do it. Right.
1: And that, and that advocacy, you know, keep in mind that the name advocate, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think we're all advocates in our own like different respects. And so bringing bringing that, bringing that group together was really a powerful thing.
2: Awesome.
0: So Chris, I have in my hand here um, a book that you wrote called "Black Male Success in Higher Education: How the Mathematical Brotherhood Empowers a Collegiate Community to Thrive." Um, I really enjoyed reading this book, um, and I, I think I read it over a year ago. And ever since I started reading, I was like, I need to talk to Chris about this book. So I'm now turning the conversation, Joel, to talking to Chris about <laughs> yeah, that yeah. book That's
1: right.
0: um, because it's. I thought it, I found it fascinating. Um, so, uh, can you summarize the setting of the book? I could try to, but I'm talking with the author. So I'll, I guess I'll <laughs> point that to you. Can you summarize the setting of the book?
1: Yeah. And, and thank you for that. And I appreciated your comments at AMTE, uh, about the book as well. So, uh, that was, that was really encouraging. Um, so yeah, so, uh, it's, it's a book, um, about, uh, Morehouse college. And so Morehouse college, uh, you know, it's an all male HBCU here in the Metro Atlanta area. Um, it's the only, you know, historically Black college that's committed to the education of, of Black men, and so um, an interesting thing about you know Morehouse and reading the history and uh, just the um, just the uh, maybe major influences that Morehouse has had with respect to sending Black men onto graduate school. Uh, in the mathematical sciences, which is really um, astounding. And so, the the I mean, what I offer in the book is this whole idea of this mathematical brotherhood mm-hmm. that's, that's happening. And it builds off of Morehouse's mission. You know, Morehouse is all about, you know, brotherhood and that sort of thing. And so, uh, I sort of tacked mathematics on, on to that. And so, that's the primary setting for, for the book.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you talk a lot about the brotherhood, and then you make some connections to uh, BGLOs, Black Greek Letter Organizations, I think, and some of the different um, rituals, mechanisms, uh, vocabulary that are used in, in those uh, Black Greek Letter Organizations, and then how that comes to play in Morehouse's uh, um, math department. Uh, and I really, I really liked that. Um, one of the things that I appreciated was just reading about how uh, some of the students would uh, encourage or spur each other on to, you know, keep going, or, you know, even if I I didn't pass this class this time, but I'm taking it again, and, you know, you can do this, or somebody's slacking off, they're not letting that person get away with um, not putting forth their best effort there.
1: Yeah, yeah, most definitely, and I'm glad you mentioned that about, about, the uh, fraternities, because even though, even though, yes, the book promotes, um, like you said, black male success in math, it also promotes, uh, HBCUs, uh, mm-hmm. and by extension, you know, this whole idea of these black, uh, Greek letter, uh, organizations. And so, um, yeah. And I'm also thinking, um, about, you know, just, just thinking about the book and, uh, just their stories before, um, before Morehouse, and you know, thinking about making connections to to teachers because you know a lot of times teachers don't immediately see um, the impact that they're making, uh, or you know they're dealing with the day to day stressors or many responsibilities associated mm-hmm. with teaching. Um, so this is sort of a nice way to also, um, you know, sort of give respect to teachers and say you know the work that you're doing is not in vain. Like like look, these guys eventually um, majored in math. Um, and even though, you know, everyone doesn't major in math, you know, some of them go to other STEM fields, even other areas, but it really shows the, the significant difference, um, uh, that a math teacher makes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely, there's definitely this, uh, positive message that, um, for the grade school teacher, the the middle school teacher, the high school teacher, the college instructor, you, you have some impact whether you see the, the fruits of that or not. Um, and so, you know, give going back to your uh, thought earlier, Joel, I think I have a title about being excellent, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, trying to be excellent in our teaching uh, because we don't know what the end career path of, of, of these students are, what their education route, what that's going to look like. Um, what are some other other mess any are there any other messages I think uh, that you'd like math teacher educators to take away from uh, from this book
1: yeah so um, maybe um, maybe one takeaway for math teacher educators is uh, is uh, maybe around the the genius and brilliance that mm. resides at HBCUs, and perhaps, uh, perhaps some of you know, some HBCU students might not have had the same opportunities um, as as others, and so um, you know, just just keeping just keeping those ideas in mind, maybe another takeaway, I know families, families is important. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about, uh, the participants talked about like their family, family upbringings. And so I know there tends to be like a lot of, uh, uh stereotypes about families and parents, you know, especially mm-hmm. black parents. And so, uh, maybe another takeaway is for, um, math teacher educators to think about, uh, leveraging or partnering with with families and parents mm-hmm. uh, um, to do that and maybe maybe a final takeaway maybe deals with uh community because of course I talk about more houses mathematics learning community within the institutional space but there's also this community sort of outside the institution um, which I didn't capture a lot of in the book primarily because uh, Like my data collection, I guess it's sort of a limitation, like what my data collection um, methods, it was so centered on Morehouse and learning about them in the space that I didn't really uh, capture sort of what happens outside of the space. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe if I had to do it all over again, you know, maybe I would have maybe paid a a little more uh, close attention to like what happens, uh, you know, in the broader community.
0: I'm really glad you mentioned that genius and the excellence of black male students. I, um, I'm teaching a class right now. We have one, uh, black student in the class of 16. He is a male. Um, and he presented a problem yesterday and I was just like floored how, how good, uh, what he did, what he presented. And not only was it mathematically correct, but just the, the presentation style that he had was really engaging, uh, He's the also the only person in that class that's not preparing to be a mathematics teacher. He's, he's just a mathematics major taking this as an elective. Um, and so I, I want to make sure that I encourage him as long as I can. Also, I want to encourage all of my students. But I um, we don't have at Sam St. Houston State University in the math department a whole lot of students like him. Um, and so I want to make sure that... He, uh, I can provide him with some encouragement and support uh, that's authentic, um, but also uh, just recognizing that that he has great contributions. So, don't know if he, I'm not going to say his name uh, for <laughs> privacy concerns, but if he ever listens to this podcast, he'll know who I'm talking about.
1: Oh, you know, you're talking about it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Send it, send it to him after the fact and say, hey, take a look at this. Uh, you know, I've given you a <laughs> shot, a shout out anonymously. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, what is something, Chris, that you like to do outside of your role as a teacher of math teachers?
1: Yeah. So I like to, um, I was gonna say I like to eat, but everyone likes to eat, right? I mean, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm almost like, uh, you know, the undergraduate students, if you say, you know, there's a speaker coming and that sort of thing, and then like. If you put on a flyer like, oh, we'll serve pizza or something, then, you know, you have like more students to show up. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm still uh,
2: like a grad student that way. I'm like, yeah, ooh, pizza.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. No problem. <laughs>
1: yeah. But um, but no. So so that uh, I definitely like to play cards. Um, so I play uh, I play space. I have a couple of friends who were math majors who live here. We typically we typically play. We don't play as much as we used to before the pandemic, we actually played this past weekend. Um, so, so that was good. And then Sunday afternoons, there's a volleyball. Uh, I mean, you know, the local park, we play, we play volleyball. Um, we typically start around the springtime. So we'll probably start around next month and we typically go until like September, uh, to fall when the weather starts to get a little cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I play, I play volleyball. I used to sing in my church choir. I stopped, I stopped singing uh, when the pandemic hit because you know, everything, everything was going on with that. Yeah. Now they started back singing as a group. I haven't gone back yet. Uh, um, but I enjoyed I enjoyed singing in my church choir and I'm not like a lead singer or anything. You know, I have to, I have to preface that because people will say, Oh, well, sing something for me. We're like, no, I can't sing. I can't <laughs> say like I, I sing with the group, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh so yeah, I, I enjoy doing it as well.
0: Great. Great. Thank you. It's it's nice, uh, Joel, I think, to get an, an idea of of uh, you know these scholars as 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 full people, you know, That's here right. here's other things that they yeah. do. Absolutely. Not just not just excellence in in publication and research and teaching, but also in pickup volleyball games and things like that. So yeah. yeah. Um, Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to promote or share uh, with our readers?
1: um I mean of course you mentioned you mentioned the book uh I'm definitely trying to get more more uh, support of the book so if if folks uh, you know if they have if they have uh, you know maybe reading groups you know sometimes faculty communities have things or you know teacher yeah. groups we're, we're, we're gonna do it we're gonna do a book study with it with our noise with our Norse uh, teaching fellows and sort of making the connections between secondary mathematics education and undergraduate um, math education um, you know even you know even if even if it's not really your work you know maybe you know give, give them a copy to a student some I don't know you know just just trying to get support of the book um, I also say so the paper so I recently published a paper with uh, Lamont Terry and theory into practice and so, um, That was last fall, so um, I think the manuscript is like, Elevating Mathematics Achievement Outcomes for Black Boys. And so, um, I know sometimes Mathematics Teacher Education, you know, they're thinking about like, you know, fall courses and summer courses. So, if you just wanted like a, you know, a shorter piece that really sort of touches on these issues and, you know, you want to discuss these issues with your math teacher candidates, uh, or even your uh, in-service math teachers, um you know, definitely, you know, feel free to use that, that piece as well. Um, yeah. But beyond that, I think that's, that's all the book. The book is the primary, th- you know, cause the book took years, the book took years to make <laughs> sure. Stuff. Yeah. 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 I'm really, I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll put links to the article. We'll put a link to uh, the the book so people can get yeah. that. Um, it's reasonably priced. I'm not going to say what the price is cause it might change or you might find it <laughs> different mm-hmm. places, but, Um, it's reasonably priced it's 140 150 pages long so it's if you don't read the appendix uh, if you do it's it's all great it's very accessible i think as a read um and it's just really engaging like i feel like i'm getting to know you're doing these case studies and so there are pseudonyms but i feel like i'm getting to know uh these these uh students and they got to choose their own pseudonyms i think is that right and so they they chose some really interesting pseudonyms um and then uh, the professors have pseudonyms that are mathematical in nature. It's just, it's just a pleasure to read. So I just encourage you guys to, um, uh, I, I called, I called them readers earlier, Joel, our listeners. I encourage our listeners to, <laughs> to check this out. They yeah. also can read. Um,
1: yeah. And it's funny you mentioned it about the student. I mean, of course I gave the professors the math names and, and that sort of thing, just, just because, you know, I'm a math nerd at heart, but, but the, um, but the pseudonyms, I almost could write like a methodology. I don't share I don't share that in the book because they gave like personal stories and, you know, um, you know, names of family and this sort of thing. And so just listening to the way that they selected pseudonyms was just like, I'm like, oh, my God, this is like uh, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a methodologist, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure like a methodologist would have like a great time with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's great.
0: All right. Well, Chris, we really thank you for joining us today. This has been a great conversation.
1: Okay. Yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you all for having me. And uh, yeah, glad to glad to have participated. Yeah, thanks, Chris.
0: And, and thanks again to you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. And we hope you're able to take action on something you just heard. Maybe pick up a book and read it and interact with other math teacher educators, maybe through a book club. Did you know that AMTE has another podcast? It's called the Mathematics Teacher Educator Podcast. Uh, And that podcast accompanies the latest edition of the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal and has authors discuss the work they've submitted for publication to the journal. You can find a link for the MTE podcast in the show notes for this episode.